Richard Hong, and I'm here to read today's scriptures. So we'll be reading Galatians chapter 5, verses 25, and going to Galatians chapter 6, verse 18. I'll be reading from the NIV version, but if you're following along, uh, you're welcome to read from any version you have. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share in all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the Spirit are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law Yet they want you to be circumcised when they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Imagine I am by typing all caps, all case. Now where's I? Okay. Um, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been hurt, crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow the rule. To the Israel of God, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. This is the reading of God's word, all caps. Let's pray. 
Thank you, Richard. You worked up a sweat. <laughs> well, this is the last uh, in the series of messages in this series called, if you could throw up the slides now, True Freedom, as we've gone through Galatians. And today we're, we're focusing on this part of being practical in the sense of learning how to walk and sow in the spirit of the Lord Christ. Have you ever noticed how you walk? Or how other people walk? I mean, I'm talking about your unique walk. Have you ever noticed how you walk as compared to maybe somebody else? Uh, Sometimes when I sit in the airport, and you know, airports we do a lot of waiting usually, so we rush to wait, right? Um, I sit there and I love watching people walk and their different styles of walking. It's interesting because, you know, there's somebody who walks like, I got to catch my flight walk, you know, and then there's the, where's the restroom walk, you know, you know, they just got off the plane, they really got to go, and then there's the people who walk confidently, their back straight, and then there's the people who walk timidly, you know, they don't want to look at anybody in the eye, and, and then there's the people who take long strides, and there's people who take baby steps, and there's all different kinds of walks out there, it's really interesting if you ever notice, you can learn a lot from a person's walk. You can learn if they know where they're going or if they're totally lost <laughs> just by the way they walk. You can l- learn if they're confident or if they're timid. You can learn if they um, are full of energy or if they're just kind of dragging along in life. The way you and I walk is as much a part of who we are as we talk or as we think. It really expresses what is inner in us and how we walk and in Galatians chapter 5 we learn that the battle within every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is this battle this cosmic battle between our flesh or the sinful nature and the spirit of God that dwells within us through faith in Jesus Christ we saw that earlier in chapter 5 and so we pick up our study in Galatians here in chapter 5 verse 25 and then into chapter 6. And in the Meek International Version, verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now the King James Version says it this way, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And Eugene Peterson, in what he has translated as the message, says this, Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. So this idea in this verse here is that we take action step by step to follow the Spirit's leading in every aspect of our life. So in that day, walk meant live. Live in the spirit. Because everybody walks. You know, they don't have cars. Most people didn't have horses. Some people have mules, but they pack it with stuff. They'd rarely ride it. Sometimes they would. But everybody walks. So this meant this means walking as a follower of Jesus or living as a follower of Jesus in every aspect of our life. Now, just like each of us had to learn how to walk. Uh, as a child, and uh, uh, you 
welcome all members of all ages in our, our worship time here. So we welcome little Terrace. She's just barely. Uh, and he doesn't, he hasn't learned how to walk yet. But do you remember learning how to walk? It was this very unsteady time of our lives, literally, <laughs> practically, right? Trying to learn how to walk, to put our legs in a certain place. And it's the same way in learning how to walk in the spirit in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we first start, we fall down a lot. Right? We, we actually are learning by our fall. So, oh, that didn't work. And so we're very unsteady in our first couple steps of taking that and learning. And it takes a lot of concentration and to simply put one foot in front of the other. And then it takes discipline and practice and trial and error. And eventually, if we keep up at it and keep practicing, then we learn with confidence how to walk with confidence and direction and where to go as we walk in the spirit. It's exactly a correlation. But we need to be trying to do so in order to learn how to do it. And today our text provides instructions to followers of Jesus on how to walk in the spirit. Because the spirit of God dwells within us when we place our faith in him as Lord. And then how do we keep in step, as the NIV says, or the KJV, to, to walk in the spirit? So how are we to walk in the spirit as followers of Christ Jesus? Well, chapter 5, verse 26, provides two negative guidelines for us. It says there, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, conceit means an empty opinion uh, of ourselves, or of, we could say a vain or a false opinion. And we think too much of ourselves too much of the time. We just, it's all about me, babe. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the lie of the evil one. And when we think like this, we either provoke others or we envy others. And so the first guideline here that we'll take from this verse is not to provoke others. Or we could say, uh, in the metaphor of walking, we'll say, don't walk as if we must win. Like we're in a race or something, and we've got to win the race. You know, I had a coworker, Dennis, when I was working as an engineer years and years ago in Kenatcha, New Hampshire. And he was the, the chief project engineer of our project that we were working on. And every time we'd walk from one location to another, it was just weird. It would be like he'd be in a walking race. He'd just like leave the rest of us behind and just end up walking really fast. It was like super fast walking. He only had one speed. And he just boom. And we'd make fun of him because we're like, he just left us behind. Like, hey, see you there, you know, kind of thing. And uh, it, it was just, it was like he was in a race and he was going to win. And this is the image here in the text, right? The word provoke carries this meaning to challenge somebody to a contest. Like, this is a competition. And sure of our superiority in this, when we're challenging someone, we want to demonstrate our superiority. So we're going to compete, and we're going to win. And this is this kind of thinking. It's almost like this arrogance. We think too highly of ourselves, and life becomes this ongoing competition that we have with everybody else around us. And, and so we must be better than our neighbor. And ever, whenever we walk, or we could say live, we've got to win. We've got to be better, or at least prove to them that we are better. And that provokes people that are around us, right? Because the end result, if we want to win then that means somebody else is going to lose. And like Dennis, my coworker, what really is the practical result is that you end up getting to your destination 
all alone because you left everybody else in the dust. And when we win, someone loses, and this is not what the church is about, right? Because we are not full of winners and losers in the body of Christ, right? We're all losers. <laughs> We're all losers because we are depraved and sinful, and we need salvation. We need rescuing. We're all losers. But at the same time, we're all winners because Christ loves us so much. He died for us, took our place, and now we can experience salvation and eternal life when we place our faith in him. So in the body of Christ, we're all winners or we're all losers. It depends on how we look at it. There's not, there's not some winners and some losers. No, that, that is not the way it is. This, so we see the second guideline then in verse 26, which is closely related to this first guideline, don't walk as if to win, uh, is not to envy each other. So we'll put it in a walking phrase, meaning don't try to walk mimicking someone else. All right? Don't try to walk mimicking someone else because the word envy carries this meaning of being jealous or of someone else's achievements or skills, and we just, we just wish we could be like them. And conceit, you see, we said, means we're thinking too much of ourselves, like we're more superior than others. We may think too highly and then provoke others in competition. Well, here, this negative guideline is that we are thinking too lowly of ourselves. And so we envy what others have and wish I could be like them. I wish I could be as good as they are, kind of thing. And our insecurities then lead us to constantly compare ourselves with everyone around us. So the one extreme is we provoke everybody. The other extreme, we envy everybody around us so just think of it how often do you compare yourself with others do you in any way when someone thinks of a great idea is the first reaction we have is like oh why didn't i think of that that's comparison right there that's comparison it's like this young girl was competing in a pageant and she said you know there's always going to be someone prettier than me more graceful than me, more talented than me. I just hope that they're never on the same stage as me. You know, and, and this kind of thinking and comparing ourselves with others in the body of Christ is going to de destroy the teamwork within the body of Christ. It just destroys it every time. We envy each other and wish others were not on the same stage as us because if they are, they're going to outshine us this way. They're better than I am. Um, so we actually hope that they might fail. So that makes us look better. <laughs> yeah, and that's destructive to the body of Christ. So don't walk mimicking someone else. You see yourself in the way God created you to be. The third guideline that we see in this text then is from chapter 6, verse 2, which says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So this third guideline, we could say, is walk, helping carry the burdens of others. Now, the word here for burdens means a very heavy weight. It's like a weight that someone is unable to carry by themselves. They need help. And it could be something like a death in a family. It could be like uh, marriage struggles, uh, struggles in raising children, disagreements between friends, I mean, like major disagreements could be intense fear or depression or despair. Something that just we need help to handle and carry ourselves. 
And this command does not conflict, though, with later in verse 5 in chapter 6 when it says, uh, uh, we heard it read, for each one should carry their own load. Right? Then it's like, wait a minute, we're supposed to help people carry, but now we're supposed to carry our own load? Well, what we need to realize there is there's actually two, like in English, there's two different meanings between these two words, burden and load. And so the Apostle Paul in verse 5, using this term load, uh, means just simply a task or a work that God has entrusted to each of us to accomplish in his power. So it's, it's a different meaning than this burden that is too heavy for one person to bear, whatever circumstances that uh, God allows us in our lives. And so when we help others carry their burdens, which they cannot carry on their own, then we fulfill the law of Christ. So what is the law of Christ? What is being mentioned here? Well, Paul mentioned it back earlier in chapter 5, verse 14, which says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus also said in John 13, 34, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Legendary football coach Vince Lombardi uh, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers back in the 1960s, a long time ago, uh, led his team to three consecutive uh, and five total uh, league championships in only seven years. I mean, they dominated in the 60s. And this included the first two Super Bowls ever the Green Bay Packers won. And so uh, he once shared what it took to make a winning team. And this is what he said, very interesting and related to what we're looking at here in Galatians. He said, I quote, There are a lot of coaches with good ball clubs who know the fundamentals and have plenty of discipline, but still don't win the games. Then you come to the third ingredient. If you're going to play together as a team, you've got to care for one another. You've got to love each other. Each player has to be thinking about the next guy and saying to himself, If I don't block that man, Paul is going to get his leg broken. I have to do my job well in order that he can do his. The difference between mediocrity and greatness is the feeling these guys have for each other. And likewise, in the church community, as Jesus said, love one another. And when we seek to obey that command out of the love God has put in our heart, then we are going to be on God's winning team and functioning like a winning team that he intended. Love, you see, is the motivation behind carrying each other's burdens. It's not like, oh, I'm a Christian. It's my duty. i got to go help people. i got to go to church and serve. You know, that kind of thing. That's not love. That's messed up, right? So love is this motivation God puts in our hearts and puts us out to serve in his name and for his glory. And Paul gives us a practical example of how to carry each other's burdens right here in chapter 6, verse 1. Listen to what he says there. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. So an example of carrying another's burdens is to restore someone caught in sin. That doesn't sound too glorious. Actually, it sounds pretty difficult, if you ask me. And the word restore here in the original language Greek means to just simply put in order to restore to its original condition. But interestingly, it's also a medical term that is used in like setting a broken bone or 
dislocated bone and putting it back in place. So to restore actually requires action on our part toward the brother or sister who is caught in sin. When we sense someone caught in sin, it is when they're living in a way that is destructive to their spiritual life and their fellowship with the Lord Jesus because of their disobedience against God's word. And we cannot just stand by and do nothing like it's none of our business. It's just as I'm talking within the body of Christ. I'm not talking about unbelievers. Uh, you know, they're not even following Jesus. So they have a different worldview, but we're talking about within the body of Christ. And we cannot stand by and do nothing. It is our business. We're not to, though, despise them or condemn them in, their, in our hearts. And when they suffer because of their wrongdoing, we, don't, we should never say, well, it serves them right, look at what they're doing, right? No, that is not our response and bring honor and glory to God because that's not how he responds to our sin. Instead, we are to take action to restore them. And what kind of action is this? Well, Jesus gave us some practical steps in Matthew chapter 18. He gave us a whole bunch of steps. But the first step that he provided there is the most neglected step that the church today neglects. It doesn't do often. I don't see it as a pastor often. I'm tempted not to follow that first step either. What is that first step? Well, we're supposed to go to them in private and show the error of their ways according to their own faith. Privately do that. That's the first step. But instead, we are often, you know, resort to telling other people in the church what they're doing. Like, oh, did you see that? Like, yeah, look at what they're doing, you know, and stuff like that. We start talking about it, and we never even go to them privately and talk to them. That's the first step, Jesus said. Go to them privately. But we don't do that. And see, the goal is to restore, not to condemn. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's none. Jesus has condemned for us already. He took that on himself. So we are to do this gently, as it says here in Galatians, with awareness of our own weakness and tendency to sin as well. We're no better than they are. Even though we may not struggle with that sin, we struggle with other things. You know, it's unfortunate that uh, oftentimes babes in Christ, those who just come to follow Jesus, uh, often die in infancy because of their inability to live up to the unreasonable standards that the mature Christians impose on them immediately. Um, and those mature Christians often so fall so far short themselves when they impose it on them. How do we walk in the spirit as followers of Jesus? Well, we don't walk as if we must win. We don't walk trying to mimic someone else. And instead, we walk helping carry the burdens of others in the name of Christ. And then the fourth guideline we find in chapter 6, verse 7, which says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So here we'll rephrase this. It simply means, so as we walk. So as we walk. The act of sowing the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth that he has taught us, through the way we live and walk and, and talk. Now, this principle of you, you reap what you sow, I love this picture. <laughs> you reap what you sow, um, this is an unchangeable law of God. This is just the way he has established things in this reality. A farmer wants to harvest 
he's got to plant his seed, right? He's got to. He knows that. It's just given. Um, otherwise, there won't be any harvest. And if he sows barley seed, he's going to get a barley crop. If he sows wheat seed, he's going to get a wheat crop. This is common sense, right? If he uses good seed, it'll produce a good crop. If he uses bad seed, it's going to produce a bad crop, right? If he sows abundantly, he can expect a big harvest. If he sows sparingly, he will reap sparingly. Farmers know this. This is the image here, the metaphor. But many of us are deceived concerning this law of reaping what we sow as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. We sow our seeds without thought, care, or strategy in life. We don't think about it. We just kind of do it whenever, you know. <laughs> we don't have any thought about it. Not like a farmer mentality. And then we blind ourselves to the fact that the seeds we sow will produce a corresponding crop, a harvest in that sense. Um, or, we th- or we think that we sow one kind of seed and we expect to reap another kind of seed. Right? And, and so this doesn't fit this unchangeable law of God. We imagine somehow we can get away with it, but it is impossible. God cannot be mocked. We reap what we sow in life. And this principle is unchangeable. And there are areas of our Christian experience where we observe this happening, and it's mentioned in our text here. In the one we see here, sow God's word, reap a living, right? Chapter 6, verse 6 says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. I always wondered about this when I was younger in Christ. What does he mean there? Well, here Paul's just instructing the Galatian believers that those who actually teach them the word and invest in them, that they are to share material goods with them. In a sense, like provide for them, feed them, house them, you know, help them be able to continue to live uh, this way. And Paul also makes this clear in writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, 11, saying, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, it is, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? So this just means this person who sows the spiritual seed of the word of God can expect to be cared for by those who are receiving. In that day and age, there was traveling preachers and teachers, and so they would go stay at people's houses. People would feed them and help them and house them and those things. And this is how they would be provided for by those who benefited from the teaching of the word of God. And then there's two other areas that this farmer principle, right, sowing what we, uh, we reap what we sow, applies in chapter 6, verse 8. It says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction, and whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So here we can rephrase this again. Sow thoughts and deeds of the flesh, you reap destruction. And then the other principle here, sow thoughts and deeds of the spirit, you reap eternal life. You know, it's like we are a human farm. We have two fields <laughs> in which to sow. And it's been said, I'm sure you might have heard this before. It's very true, though, in a sense. Sow a thought and you reap an act. Sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. And sow a character, you reap a destiny of where you end up. So in a sense, sow thoughts and deeds of the flesh, and you're going to reap destruction. So, you know, the man myth 
that we used to roam the North America for years and years, um, all over what seems quite expansive around North America because uh, it, it was hunted by the Native Americans. We, we have evidence for, and it went extinct. There's different reasons why it went extinct. But one, uh, we found fossil or bones and fossils of these beings uh, all over North America. And one estimated to be about 12,000 years old still amazingly held the spear in it that killed it. The Americans, uh, the Native Americans gone, the, the mammoth body, flesh is gone, but that weapon still remains. And the reason why I bring this up as an illustration is that whatever we sow, we reap the harvest because of it. So if we sow good deeds in the name of the Lord Christ, then that will live on after us. It will have some effect. If we sow evil in what we say and what we do according to our flesh, then it also will remain and stay, and we will reap destruction because of it. For the thoughts and deeds of the flesh and reap destruction. And then the last area of the principle of reaping, of what we sow, is sow good works, reap a harvest in people's hearts and in the community, which is mentioned in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 6. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So if we are looking for a quick result, if we are motivated to just do good works because that's the good thing to do, and we don't get fruit right away, we will become discouraged and disappointed. And this is an encouragement to us that if we are motivated by the love of Christ and we sow the truth of the gospel, we do acts of compassion in his name, there may not be results right away. I mean, it's like if I wanted to, to eat potatoes tomorrow uh, for dinner, if I just planted potato seeds tonight, I'm going to be kind of disappointed because <laughs> there's not going to be results right away. There's going to be a long period of darkness and silence before that potato seeds take fruit, germinate, grow, and develop the uh, potatoes that I, would, I so desire. There's going to be long stretches of just nothing. And during these stretches of waiting, there is cultivating that's needed and weeding that's needed and nurturing and planting of still other seeds. But that's all part of this image we see. We just are faithful in what God has called us to do in sowing the seed. That's what he calls us to do. He takes care of what to produce. That's up to him. So therefore, let's not become weary, brothers and sisters, in living and walking and sowing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the fruit is up to him. And it says here in our, these verses that we will see the fruit. Just might not be right away. So how are we to walk in the spirit as followers of Jesus? We walk like, uh, we don't walk as if we've got to win all the time. We don't walk like mimicking someone else. And instead we walk carrying the burdens of others and we walk knowing that a man reaps what he sows. Let's pray together.
Lord God, we thank you for your word and its challenge to us. We know we fall far short. And yet we know that you don't grade us on what we do or don't do. You grade us basically on who we follow. And if we're following you, Lord Jesus, you've taken care of all our failures. And you're giving us the power and the transformation to continue to glorify you on earth, even amazing truths, sinning against you and showing the world what it needs to be reconciled and seek amends and confess our sins. Lord, you are an amazing God. We pray that you would give us opportunities this week to sow and sow and sow as we live for you in everything we do.